Hello and welcome to the business community with me, Heather Noble. And this week, it's just me. I'm flying solo. Uh, my partner in crime, Tracy Jones, uh, is taking a little bit of time out. So you've just got me to listen to this week. I don't know how I'm going to have conversations with myself, um, but um, we thought it was it was worth keeping going and making sure that you've got some content. And I'm hoping that what I'm going to share today is going to be of interest. Normally, we would have a topical discussion. Uh, well, today, I'm going to share with you some stats that uh, I was attending a networking meeting um, about a, 10 days ago, and uh, there was an insurance broker there, a guy called Dave Williams, who, um, who I've been networking with for a long time, and he um, works at a business called Henschel's Insurance. They do my insurance, um, a little plug there for Henschel's. But he was talking, he'd been to an Aviva um, webinar where Aviva had been talking about some of the insurance related stats that um, that have come out through the COVID period. So through 2020 and of course, um, Brexit has happened there as well. So uh, they were talking about what bits and pieces have changed in the insurance world as a result of those two things. And I just thought it was really interesting. So I thought I'd share some of the things that he that he covered. Obviously, this is, you know, it's a massive piece of work, uh, but I'm praising uh, some of the interesting bits and bobs. So first of all, the lowest ever total daily claims against insurance for injury. So these sort of low value, low value injury claims, you know, um, the, the sort of what they call um Ambulance chasers, whiplash solicitors. April 2020 was the lowest ever total daily claims submitted. Um, so, obviously, that was at the that was at the the real beginning of lockdown. In, in those days, when everything did just feel really, really quiet. Um, supply chain issues, as a result of Brexit, has pushed average motor claims forward due to delays. So people have extended their higher car periods, um, you know, they've extended their leases, uh, parts have cost much, uh, are costing much more. Um, and so the average claim is increasing, which I thought was was quite interesting because you you just, well, I certainly don't think, you know, didn't think in, in, in that way. Employers' liability claims about COVID um, are, are now really common and these are kind of part and parcel. However, a lot of them are being rejected because it's really difficult for the claimant who is claiming against their employer to prove that the infection actually occurred in the workplace. Um, and okay, we, as we have testing coming online now, um, these mass, you know, the ability to mass test. In fact, any business with um, um, any business can can have um, rapid testing uh, free of charge. I think it's free for a, a, about six months or something. Um, so even me, I'm a sole director. Potentially, I could have access to testing. Uh, but until that's in place, it's going to be really hard for people to to prove that they contracted COVID in the workplace. And of course, then that all has a knock-on effect in terms of whether they take sick sickness leave, whether they take unpaid leave, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, business interruption, 
a massive subject because uh, a lot of businesses learned that they basically weren't covered. Um, so there were um, business interruption claims. Aviva have received over 11,000 COVID claims, half of which were received in the two-week period um, where there was a test case judgment um, because pretty much all claims aren't covered. Uh, they had 11,000 claims in two weeks. Normally, they would handle 11,000 claims over a six-month period. So all of those people there who were desperately trying to salvage something as a result of their businesses having to close um, due to lockdown. So really stressful time for a lot of people. Um, but it just gives some sense of scale of those numbers, which I think is amazing. And then going a bit more onto the sort of domestic area of insurance, which I think is really interesting. So June 20, April to June 2020, compared to April to June 2019, theft and burglary claims were down 43%, largely because you weren't meant to be out and about, um, harder to do pickpocketing, uh, and more and more people were at home. And that certainly... Um, meant that um, with people being at home more, there were, there were all sorts of things like um, burglaries were down, obviously, as, as I've said, but also people where water has escaped and damaged property, more people are at home, so they don't come home and find that the hot water tank has burst and flooded the whole house because they're more likely to notice something when they're in the house. Um, increased fraud activity because of the financial frame the financial strain on households and businesses. So, you know, tough times. People, and, and there have been so many scammers. I mean, I know um, I know elderly people who live near to me who've, you know, had lots of money um, taken from them. Uh, fortunately, it's been returned. But of course, there, there's, a, there's an impact there. The money's got to come from somewhere um, to reimburse the individuals. Um, and um, they also said that uh, fraudulent policies or fraudulent claims, um, you know, the whole um, crash for cash claims in 2020, there were 13 million pounds worth of claims that Aviva didn't pay out on because fraudulent in insurance claims, fraudulent injury claims, um, are a massive part of their business and they have 81% success rate when um, when trying to not pay out on these fraudulent injury claims. So just some really interesting stats there that, uh, you, I, as I say, I certainly don't really think about. Um, and there's there's a full report going to be coming out, I believe. But these are just some of the snapshots that that Dave kindly shared with me. Um, and it's real food for thought. Uh, we'd be interested to know whether you have um, been successful or, or had any experiences in terms of insurance claims as a result of COVID, or if your business has been directly impacted as a result of Brexit, um, and, and whether from an insurance-related perspective, um, you, uh, you've, you've had a good outcome or a bad outcome and you can share that information with us via our social media or uh, contact us via our website which is thebusiness.community. Our review section this week I've gone back to my bookcase 
um, to a lovely little book that I, I've had for quite a while now, um, written by a lady called Grace Marshall. And at the moment, I don't know about you, but certainly a lot of people that I'm talking to are feeling a little bit overwhelmed. They, they just don't have enough time in the day to do everything that they need to do. And I think some of that is because we're just fatigued and it's becoming increasingly difficult to motivate ourselves to get things done. Um, but also we seem to just be spinning so many plates because maybe because we've had the children at home, maybe we've got um, family members that we're looking after, maybe the, you know, the needs of the business um, have altered dramatically. Things take longer to do because you might have flipped your business to, to do things online, the click and collect thing. So lots of changes. So it, it just feels a little bit more like we're wading through treacle. But this book, written by Grace Marshall, it's just a little book and it's called 21 Ways to Manage the Stuff That Sucks Up Your Time. And it's not, you know, this isn't just your time management, um, you know, get more efficient kind of a book. It's actually got some really interesting um, ways of thinking about stuff. And I know I saw Grace um, speak, oh, crikey, how long have I had this book? Probably seven years, something like that. And she talks about some of the, you know, some of the easy things like, you know, making lists. If you write stuff down, it gets it out of your head. You know, the whole having a notebook by the bed so that if you're lying there thinking about things and it's taking your, it's stopping you from sleeping or it's, you know, starting to stress you, you know, I mustn't forget to email that person or I mustn't forget to phone that guy or invoice that client or pay that bill. Just write it down. Just write it down. Then you don't have to think about it anymore because you're not going to forget it because it's by the side of your bed and it'll be there in the morning. Uh, so, I mean, I... I do that. Um, sometimes I might not write it in a book, but I might text myself so that I will remember the next day when I'm in the office or send myself a little email um, and then I can go back to sleep. Uh, so that's 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 one method, which isn't rocket science, but it's just a discipline and it's just a reminder that that could actually help. She talks about, and this is something that uh, I'm a real advocate of, but sometimes I don't do it. And it's the whole touch it once thing where you don't, you know, the more times you pick something up to deal with it, the more time the overall job takes. So if you think a bit more about here's an email, can I just deal with it now or does it need more investment? Is it going to take me more than two minutes to do it? So if it's a two minute job, just do it. You know, fire that email back saying, yes, thanks very much or send the attachment or whatever. It's done and it's off your to-do list. But um, but if it's going to take longer and you need to think about it, then decide to defer it a little while. Uh, and if it's you know if it's if it's a case of you need to gather some information, can you get somebody else working on that to give you what you need so that you can forget about it until that person comes back to you again? So really, it's thinking about. Uh, if it's going to take you two minutes, then just crack on and do it. Um, I, I, I do. I go through phases of being really, really efficient and trying to do this, but um, but sometimes I'm just <laughs> I'm just useless. Uh, and then I, 
I accumulate a big pile of things that I need to do. And suddenly that that's become a huge task where if I'd have, if I dealt with the things individually, uh, it would, it, the stuff just wouldn't be there. And I'd almost have not noticed the time. She talked about, in one of the chapters, she talks a lot about um, how to say no to people. You know, you know, that whole thing where sometimes you're, you feel like you're working to somebody else's agenda rather than your own. And that can be true of life as well as, as well as business. So thinking about um, how to be saying yes, how to say no to people, but actually say yes to them, um, but managing them. So, yeah, I can't deal with that at the moment, but why don't we talk about at four o'clock or why don't we set up a meeting? Or So you, you look like you're being really positive. And she uses the whole, um, again, the two minute rule. If somebody says to you, have you got a minute? Then um, the, she suggests that if you say, I've got two minutes, what can I do for you? That then gives the individual the choice of either saying, oh, um, they'll either just say straight to the point what they need, or they'll use that two minutes to arrange a time to talk to you more specifically about what it is they're looking for. And she suggests that, you know, you might say, I've got two minutes right now, or we could talk at four o'clock, which would be best for you. Or I want to help you. Don't say I want to help you, but I'm busy. Say I'd love to help you and I can do so at 4 p.m. Again, it's given that sort of positive. Um, so looking like you're being really accommodating, um, but actually managing them to your schedule rather than you being at their their beck and call, which I I think I'm I'm sometimes guilty of because you want to be you want to be seen to be being helpful, uh, and you don't you don't want to be obstructive. But then before you know it, you've got yourself roped into some long drawn out conversation which is making you late for your next appointment um, or it's stopping you from doing the thing that you were supposed to be doing so having the confidence to do that I think can make a real difference uh, to our, our use of time um, and you know she talked about get, getting a grip on guilt when you've got lots of roles whether you know business family if you're doing one thing if you're working when you're meant to be with your kids or if you're with your kids when you're supposed to be doing something for the business, it's thinking about, um, it's stopping yourself from feeling guilty. You know, so, so think about when do I ring fence stuff? So why are you feeling guilty? Are you actually doing the wrong thing? What's positive about what you're actually doing? So if you're spending time with your family when you should be writing a, a report, make sure you make that quality time with your family. Don't spend all your time when you're with your family thinking, I should be writing that report, because actually that's going to detract from the whole reason why you're spending time with your family. Um, and the she talks very much about using positive action thinking about for example um the feeling is i feel guilty that i'm neglecting my children the belief is if i don't spend enough time with my children they will suffer so she says right challenge yourself right what do you mean by enough time how much time are you spending with them how are they suffering are they suffering um you know what's actually going on and then think about the positives. Ah, However, I do get to pick them up from school now that I run my own business and we didn't used to have that before. And think about what's really important. And in this instance, the well-being of your well-being and 
welfare of your children and the time that you spend with them is, of course, really, really important. So in that case, it's what do you do to find time to be with your children? So it's about plan some time, be positive, be proactive. Think about um, reading with your, your child that's struggling with their reading or go for a walk with one of the children so that you can have a, a chat with them or whatever it might be. So she uses these examples. There's the family scenario and then there's the business scenario. But they're both um, help. They both help us to sort of reframe the way that we think about things. So that's it. It's a cracking little book, 21 Ways to Manage the Stuff That Sucks Up Your Time, available from Grace Marshall. Um, if you just Google Grace Marshall, um, you'll find her. Uh, she um, She's a life and business coach. She's an NLP practitioner, a disc trainer, and she has two young children. Um, so she, she, she walked the talk and she's written this little book about it. So I'll pop a link to that book in our blog, which will appear on our website, thebusiness.community. Now, almost seamlessly, I'm now going to join together the world of insurance and the world of being a working mother, because our profile this week is of a lady called Louise O'Shea. And we came across her um, I think it was because of the guy that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. If Tracy was here, she'd be able to um, she'd be able to remind me how we found Louise O'Shea. But um, she is the CEO at Confused.com, the big price comparison website. Um, gosh, do you remember the times before price comparison websites existed? Now they're massive, massive business. Anyway, she's um, she. The first thing that I did, I Googled her and the first thing that came up was her LinkedIn profile. So I popped along to her LinkedIn profile and found out that uh, we have a mutual connection. And the person who is our mutual connection is a guy who used to work with my husband at another price comparison website. And his role was to be a disruptor. And we've talked about disruption in the past on the business community. And it's quite interesting because the, as I researched Louise uh, and what she what she does, uh, she certainly sees herself as a disruptor. So I guess that's why those two individuals uh, are connected. So I sent off a little um, connection request. I'm hoping that Louise will uh, will respond. So who is she? Where does she come from? What's it all about? So she is. Um, as I say, she is the CEO of Confused.com. She became the CEO in September 2017 uh, at a time when the business was actually struggling a little bit. Uh, so she's been really busy um, growing that business um, and making making the changes that brought the business brought the business forward so she she went in in 2017 and she looked at the financial performance but also the team the way the business was structured uh, and the culture and from that um they've um they you know they've really raised their game but of course 2020 2020 was a challenging year for all businesses and she she talks 
quite a lot about that in an article that was in the FinTech Times where she's she's giving an interview. Um, she talks about, in, in the article, she talks about the different sectors um, and, it, and it feeds a little bit into some of the stuff, the stats that I was quoting uh, about insurance. So she says, the first lockdown, we were off the road, so more people weren't driving. Um, and we know that people were in their homes more. So various things, um, such as the, you know, the burglaries, et cetera, um, were impacted by that. She was talking about travel insurance, you know, back in the day when we could travel, um, people wanted travel insurance, they wanted COVID-19 cover. And then of course, we couldn't travel at all. So she talks a lot about what happened within that business um, and how she tackled and targeted um, uh, the, the needs of her business and the needs of the, of the wider public. Um, she says, you know, data is a massive part of their business. Every 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 second costs money because when somebody's doing a price comparison, you, you've got to keep them on the site. You've got to keep them there. You don't want them to to become bored or think, oh, crikey, I might as well just go to a competitor. So she talks a lot about the user experience and what they've done um, to make sure that people remain engaged. But one of the things that I was particularly interested in, and you know how much we love TED Talks uh, here at the business community, uh, she gave a TED Talk in December 2019. So that's um, when she was a couple of years into her journey at confused.com um, and uh, the TED talk it, it, it's it's really it's interesting she comes across really well she comes across as a, a woman in business who believes that um, that it's possible to run a business and run your family and that women you know should be able to um, to do that so she talks the title of the TED talk is in order to be irrepla irreplaceable one must always be different. And she talks about, as a child, how she was different, what she did differently. And she considers herself to be a disruptor. Uh, and she has done that throughout her entire life. <laughs> one, one part of the story that she tells, and it reminded, not that I'm a disruptor, but it did remind me a little bit of myself. There was a time when her... Um, her parents decided that she should join the Brownies uh, that time in, you know, most little girls' lives when the brownie uniform comes out and, it, you know, you meant to go and spend time with um, with similar-minded, similar-aged girls, although brownies are mixed now, I believe. Anyway, she didn't want to go, so she climbed out of the window and went somewhere else. And I remember a time when I did that. I had been... Um, I'd been told that I had to I had to stay in. I had been grounded. And um, I climbed out the window and went, <laughs> went to my friend's house. So, um, yes, of course, more grounding ensued. But um, she very much says that, you know, she was non, she, she didn't conform. Um, and she talked about why that's important um, and, and how that has impacted in her career and the way that she approaches business uh, to the extent that she said that when she was having her, I think it was her first child, she set up a mini office in the hospital 
and basically ran the business from the mini office. She was recruited. She was interviewed whilst heavily pregnant um, for a significant role. And when she, when she, um, when she came back to work, so the people who gave her the job, they said, when you come back, yes, you'll be a mother, but you will be a great asset to the, to the business because you will have been through childbirth um, and nothing will be more daunting than childbirth, um, that you don't have time to waste because you want to spend time with your children. So those meetings that go on forever where people are procrastinating and not making decisions, etc., you'll cut to the chase because you'll have a clock ticking in your head and every time you're not with your children, you'll want to be with your children so you'll become more efficient. And she you know, she talks about this um, and it and the way she talks about it makes absolute sense. Um, it Yeah, it, it just resonates and you just think, oh, crikey, okay, this this woman is doing everything that she should be doing in terms of fulfilling her role as a mum, but also running this massive organisation. And she's nurturing and encouraging women uh, with to do the same. Uh, she mentions, so she's got two, she's got two daughters. Um, and she said that when she was waiting to give birth, she was interviewing somebody um, she was in the labour ward and she was interviewing somebody for a job. And she said that she had to explain why there was somebody screaming in the background, which when you're on a job interview, I imagine um, it would be a bit daunting if there seemed to be uh, something stressful happening in, in the background. But uh, she she comes across as straight talking, but, but also um, just a really, really interesting character and the way that she approaches things um seems to I don't know it just seems to resonate I think she's I think she's she's got it sussed she talks about this in order to be um irreplaceable uh one must truly be different and she also talks about the fact that only fools don't change if you're not willing to flex and um and crikey we've learned that this year uh, in the last 12 months haven't we that flexing as an individual but also flexing as a business is really really important if you if you just insist on staying the same um you're going to get left behind uh and so i th i think that's a really interesting comment and one that we should perhaps remember and then finally one thing that she said that really caught my um caught my imagination she said nothing stops a mindset from traveling nothing can nothing can stop a mindset um thinking about what might be, what, you know, other ways of doing things. And we don't all naturally have that ability to think differently. But sometimes uh, allowing ourselves to, to just go wherever in our thinking can bring some really important um, ideas. And you might not, you might not go the whole hog and do the, you know, the total um, crazy thing, but it might help you to get to a place where you, you make some decisions that you might not ordinarily make. And again, in the TED talk, she gives some examples of um, a guy who um, who wants to stop people being afraid of going to the dentist. I don't know about you, but I don't I don't 
I don't get really scared, but I don't, I'm not a great fan of going to the dentist more because I worry that he's going to tell me that I need to have a tooth extracted, which to me is like the most scary thing ever. Um, so uh, she talks about this guy and he identified that, well, one of the ways to stop people being afraid of going to the dentist when they're at the dentist is to just completely throw them. So he said, what if we put a llama in the room so people would go in and suddenly they'd be more interested in the fact that there's a llama in the uh, in the dentist's room than the fact that they're going to have a, a, a dental inspection. And that might just distract them enough to change the way that they think. And so she tells a story about, OK, so do you think that's just crazy, like really random? Do you th or do you think it's really interesting? And what else could you do? Would two llamas be better than one? Uh, and it's that, that way of going down this totally um, free-flowing way of thinking, using your mindset to go wherever, whenever, for whatever reason, just seemed to, uh, to be a really good way of thinking. And, and she incorporates this into the way that she manages the business. So she's a really interesting character. The world of insurance is, is an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to put a couple of links to a couple of interviews that she gave and, of course, that TED Talk in our blog post, which is uh, which will be on our website, which, as I've said, is thebusiness.community. And that's, that's all for this week. Um, I hope that Tracy will be joining me again next week, but um, if not... I will be back with more news, views and reviews from the world of business. Thank you for your company today. I hope you've enjoyed the, the podcast. We'll see you soon. That's all we've got time for this week on the business community. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast, you can find out about all the things that we've talked about over the years at our website, which is thebusiness.community. We do hope you'll join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. Music.